Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. It is a true blessing to be able to connect with the top minds and strength each and every week and share stories, insights, and experiences on becoming stronger in every area of our lives. And now I want to do more for you. I want to invite you to join the exclusive private Facebook group of The Strength Connection. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength in their lives, and it's the perfect space to explore ideas and share your journey. You'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. Just go to the Facebook groups, type in the Strength Connection, and you'll be accepted immediately. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the inside. Welcome back, everybody. DJ, dude, so good to see you. It said eight years since uh, we met at that first dome. Holy shit. Yeah, man. yeah it's been a, been a long time. I appreciate you uh, making time for me and thinking enough of me to, to invite me on. So that's, that's pretty special. So thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. It's an honor to connect. It's funny that, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Monica Bolt for connecting mm-hmm. us. Uh, she reached yeah. out. She's an awesome, awesome, awesome instructor. Awesome lady. We had a blast when we connected. Yeah. So. Um, she's uh, she's a lot smarter than she gives herself credit for her Indian club stuff. If any of your viewers are in the Indian clubs, man, you gotta you gotta be watching Monica since she uh, incredibly talented. Those clubs make it look effortless. That's it. Those people that like Monica who do Indian clubs and stick mobility. It's such an effortless look when you're really good at. It. It's kind of like when mm-hmm. somebody's really good at martial arts. It just looks like the most effortless thing in the world when you realize there's a lot of hours that are spent. Yeah, in that and she's probably thinking about something like she's like somewhere else she's probably thinking about what she's making for dinner like she's not in that moment at all man there's a million things going on those clubs are everywhere else for sure that's crazy yeah so but but yeah man we were uh i mean i met you at the first dome uh Mm -hmm. we were uh under prentice Rhodes, one of my favorite people ever that i that i learned under shout out to prentice there um yeah are you ready man uh yeah can you dig it right can you dig it Yeah, but dude, you've been in this world for a long time. I followed you from Queen City for a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, you've really been in this world as an inspiration. So Appreciate just it. really excited to learn more about you and really just dive into some fun strength stuff. So, you know, to kick it off, I mean, you were just telling me about your trip to Nashville when you first found out about this and met the Iron Tamer. So if you can yeah, talk, tell, yeah just uh, tell me a little bit more about that story of how you kind of found your way into this world of strength. Oh, for sure. Um, this is like the least congruent, most convoluted story, how you can come up into this industry, really. So, um, you know, it kind of, and we will give give props to Nashville because you know who's in, in Nashville, and that's Whitley. So before that ever started, um, I was a marginal athlete. You know, I wasn't, you know, there was no scholarships, any colleges on my horizon, you know, and, and I knew that. Three-sport athlete, I uh, played soccer, wrestling, and baseball, pretty much in that order. Um, somebody put a skateboard in my hand later in life and I was out, like it was newfound freedom. It was Mm. perfect. And I kind of fell off, but I was just so active skating everywhere. Uh, went into my first gym with my neighbor when I was like 13 or 14. Mm. And, you know, we were kind of talking, uh, beforehand about some of the stories, uh, that I have. And the story about that first gym is hilarious for so many reasons, but it, it left such an impression on me in a young mind of what, you know, you can do and what that feels like and what you see other people do in a gym. Mm. I was hooked. Right. So I've been, I can't think of a time that I've been away from the gym or some type of training since I was like 13, 14 years old. 
Wow. You know, you take, okay. You take, you take the breaks, but I've always tried to do something, always tried yeah. to be moving and whatever. And you know, I've been bigger, I've been smaller, I've been stronger, I've been weaker, I've been <laughs> into this and into that. You know, we all play those games. So, yep. um, so yeah, I just wanted to work in a weight room. That was my goal in life. I wanted to work in a weight room. Mm. And back then, you know, in, in 2000, strength coaches were a thing, but nowhere near as prevalent as they are today. Right. And really to my understanding was if you wanted to be a strength coach, you were going to go teach a high school and you got in the weight room and you took a stipend, you coached football, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And you just moved up. You hope that the guy who brought you on moved on and you moved on and you moved on. And that was the plan. And that was, I was cool with that. I was going to teach high school. I was right. going to be in the weight cool. room before and after <laughs> yep. school. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> so uh, I had a job pretty much right out of high school at a gold's gym. Uh, my second day there, I was standing behind the counter, like checking people in. And, uh, one of the manager comes over and goes, Hey, you know how to train people? We need you. And it's like, Pfft. and that was it. I was thrust into it. <laughs> and I, it's, it's, it's so funny because one of my first clients I still see today, it's kind of irregularly regular. So I'm 19 at the time I'm 40 now. Yeah. So we're talking 20 years ago that this young lady still will occasionally pop in, hit her training with me. We just have such a long report. She's got like, Oh my God, five that's amazing. At this point. Yeah. yeah. So it's just too funny. And funny enough, it, it, she's followed me everywhere that I've ever gone. So it's mm-hmm. been great. Um, so in the process of going to school, I was an art history major. So it's a fun fact. A lot about me is I have a, a love for art and mm-hmm. a lot of people know that. And it's always like, kind of like this weird little, like fun fact about DJ. Yeah. So it was what perfect. kind of art? Uh, I always love sculpture. So if you're familiar mm-hmm. with Bernini, uh, I've got yeah. two fleas from Bernini. There's a big book somewhere back here of all his stuff. Always been fascinated. And, um, I'd love to go see his sculptures in Italy. Um, uh-huh. just like how somebody can create that yeah. at that time is amazing. So it just, I was always drawn to that. Yeah. Um, and there's some other artists and some things that I really appreciate, but, but the sculptures were always cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into some of the more modern stuff later, just cause I think it was cool at the time and it was new and just like just had a lot of attraction and people mm. dug it. So, um, so nine 11 happened when I was in college and a lot of kids our age got filled with patriotism. Um, I had family in the military and I saw, you know, kind of what they went through and, you know, I, I, it was pretty obvious we were, we were going to go to war and mm. none of those two things excited me in the least bit though. I knew that wasn't uh, a fit for my personality, Yeah, but the fire service was. So mm. I took, took the fire test, uh, went through recruit school. It was, it was great because recruit school was a full-time job. You go in at eight, you go off at five, two days a week. I went back to the gym at work. We didn't go to recruit school during the weekend. I was at the gym. Right. So it was like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, I think it was like 16 weeks, whatever it was, I was, no days off, man. I was grinding, mm-hmm. you know, doing this. And I, I hate the word grinding. Um, I think it's overused, but that's 16 weeks and no days off, man. I was yeah. recruit school gym, recruit school gym. So, um, fell into the fire service. Absolutely loved it. And still trained on the side, got involved heavily with some of the training stuff that I could, um, in the fire service. Mm-hmm. Um, and rode that for uh, a little over 10 years, almost 11 years. And, um, when the economy tanked in 08, uh, I lost, uh, one of my firefighter jobs, but still had my main job, still, mm-hmm. still you know, doing my thing, 27, 28, however old I was at the time, just happy. But I said too much time off 
on my hands mm. for a guy like me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, idle hands are the devil's play. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I had a business partner at the time and we were kicking around, opening up a gym. We were heavily involved in CrossFit. Uh, I had gone mm. through and gotten, uh, my level one. So okay. I'm in, I'm in Ohio. So I'm in Cincinnati. So, you know, I got rogue an hour and a half up to, Oh yeah. Road. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously big in, in the CrossFit and they were holding, uh, seminars up there. Um, originally it was, I think it was called rogue fitness gym. It was an actual gym that was separate from, um, the storefront that everybody sees. Today. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they would host them like every, every other month, man, they were just hosting them. So went up there and we got into it and kettlebells were a big part of CrossFit at the time. Yep. Kind of fell in love with it. Fast forward a little while, uh, the city of Nashville was hiring for the fire department. So I said, I want to go take this test because it's my first love. It's what I know to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it for a while now. And business partner and I were kicking back these ideas. And I decided to call a handful of gyms down there. Who, who will spend time with me? Um, two, two guys. Uh, one was a guy by the name of Apollo. Uh, spent a lot of time with me. Um, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, I'd love to reconnect with him. Mm. That guy was a wealth of information. Uh, he had a, 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 an amazing facility. Yeah. Um, and it was a CrossFit gym. Uh, I don't, I don't want to misquote. I think it might've been CrossFit in Nashville. I'm not okay. sure. And then Dave Whitley. So I called Dave, got in the rental car, drove right to Dave's place. Before yeah. I had to go take this test. Uh, Dave was, you know, I'll make an hour for you. And, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about uh, before we kicked yeah. this off just a wealth of information. And Dave went above and beyond for me. And he gave me a lot to think about. And, um, you know, I can't give him enough respect and enough props for the amount of time that he spent with me. Yeah. Went home a couple of days later, Dave called me and said, Hey, I'm hosting this event down here. Why don't you come down and check it out? If it's for you, that's great. This is a great way to get into kettlebells and everything we're doing. Um, if not, you know, you just add a couple hundred bucks for the certification and it's no big deal. And that was the HKC right. in 2000, 2009 or it's gotta be 2009. Yeah. Because then I went to the RKC in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, in Virginia. Um, so went back, we opened up a small studio. It was like a thousand square feet. Yeah. It had a bunch of raggedy bells and just the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And it just started growing. Um, and it, it, it's kind of, it's, it's like this, this, this like scale, if you will. Yeah. The gym was kind of going cause nobody was really doing what we were doing here. I'm not going to say I'm a trendsetter by the least bit. I was copying stuff that I was seeing, you know, yeah. I was just kind of like doing some things that I knew I was ripping off my mad methods. The yeah. magazine, <laughs> you remember that? Like, you know, like just, just stealing everybody's stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it, doing that presented me opportunities to meet other people. Like I remember John Brookfield called us. Um, if you know who that is, he was the battling ropes yeah. guy. And he said, I'm going to be in town. Can we do something? And I got connected to John. Yeah. So word really spread quickly that there was this small gym in Cincinnati doing kettlebells and like people had seen in CrossFit mm-hmm. and they were, they were getting kind of getting some attention. So we started to get some attention. The other side of that is, you know, we talked about the economy tanking in 08. When you look at the fiduciary responsibilities of a municipality, if something has to get cut, it's usually public services. So yeah. you're looking at like your city workers, hmm. your police and your fire. So for the next two years, 
you know, they kind of dangled this carrot over, you know, on a string and a chopping block. We're going to lay off and fire. We're not. And yep. it's just, it's when, when you're young, I guess you can put up with it. And I'm not going to say I was old at that age, but you know, you, you want at that stage of your life to have a plan. Right. And I was starting to get nervous because here's what I've been doing for a long time. And I loved it and I didn't know what else to do, but over right. here, here's this gym thing kicking off. So, um, there were a lot of overall contributing factors to my decision to leave, mm. but it came down to one thing. And that was, I would rather go and fail by 30 than be 50 and wonder what I could have done. So I was like, man, I gotta make this jump. Yeah. So I made the jump to start the gym and I knew that if I was going to do this full time, I needed to do certain things to, you know, I don't want to say be legit, but give myself some validity and, and really like set myself yeah. up for success. Uh, when I went to recruit school, I dropped out of college. <laughs> In fact, I didn't just drop out. I just stopped showing up. Yeah. So I, I did the same yeah, I stopped thing. Up. <laughs> so years later, when I go back to school, it's at the university of Cincinnati. I go mm. back and I say, Hey, I want to re-enroll. It's been like 15 years. Yeah. And like, they pull me up. I was they're in like, the bathroom not... for a while. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like you're not even the computer. Let me go to this old like sheet paper, like tearing off the edges, you know? And, uh, so he's like, you know, you're on academic probation. I was like, no, yeah. I was like, that was like 15 years ago, man. Like people make mistakes, yeah, you know? Right. And he's like, it is what it is, my guy. And I said, all right. So like, he didn't even bat an eye. So I was lucky enough to find a school that, you know, I could work with being, uh, being a former firefighter is mm -hmm. a great institution. I found called American public or American military, depending on what side you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And eventually got my undergrad from. So it was just kind of funny. Um, really I leveled all those positions that I got in life from having that gym starting that gym. So yeah. it started with meeting, you know, uh, the experts like Brookfield and so on and so forth. Yeah. To I had a chance encounter with Dan John one time up at Denison University. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, I met some football coaches. And then those football coaches called me. And then I was in there in front of the players and the players called me, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's that ripple effect that that's how it started. So now I'm working with football guys and, and pro football guys. And now um, at the time, they would let interns and other people who worked for the front office of some of these um, teams come work out in the weight room when the, uh, the players weren't there. Mm -hmm. So then I get introduced to those people. So it's just, that's how it all started. I yeah. just made calls to get into it. Um, I started to call high schools and say, Hey, do you guys have a strength and conditioning, mm -hmm. um, coach? What does your athletic department look like? Uh, so I started to get in with high school kids and eventually that led to picking up contracts to coach on the high school level. Right. Mm -hmm. That turned into going to seminars and continuing education and that turned into a chance encounter with some college coaches. And there was a, a coach here and I followed him on Instagram. Uh, I saw him from where I was sitting. I waited for a break and I beelined down to get him. And I remember I shook his hand and I didn't let go the entire time I talked to him. And I introduced myself and he was like, yeah, I know who you are. And my mind was blown. I said, yeah, right. I never, never knew. And he said, why don't you give me a call next week? And, and we'll, we'll just grab lunch. I said, okay. So I called him. He set up a time. I showed up 20 minutes early. And um, he's like, hey, I got some stuff to do. Why don't you show these guys some stuff? And he left. So I'd never been 
in a college weight room before. And here I am two minutes in mm-hmm. and this dude's like setting me up. Yeah. So I was like, I had that moment of panic, like, Oh, what do I do? And then I'm like, wait a second, I'm the kettlebell guy or I do whatever. Right. Like, yeah. It's, it stemmed from there. So, um, that opportunity of being prepared. Yes. Um, and, and we talk about how something I think about lately is what is luck. And somebody told me where opportunity and preparedness meet. And it was things like that yeah. that happened. That's exactly what I was thinking about when you were telling that yeah. it's just yeah. always be prepared. And just all of a sudden somebody might give you that opportunity exactly. that you did not know about uh, from there. And then it just, come, it's so interesting how just those little connections of just going in, just shaking somebody's hand, holding on to it for just a second longer. It's yeah. like, you know, just like it taking like your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Like, take, like taking <laughs> that opportunity. It's so powerful of, of what those, you know, chance encounters can do and just lead you down the line. Yeah. So it, it turned into um, going to those seminars because now you're going from just being like a personal trainer yeah. and going to those continuing education to now you're going to continue education with college strength and conditioning coaches and high school coaches to now they're professional coaches. Now there are like these top tier people that you're networking with yeah. all the time. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's how it started. So through the years, the resume includes working in high schools, uh, working in D1, lots of personal training, owning Queen City Kettlebell. Um, I got to give myself a uh, shout out there. Um, working with uh, baseball athletes, football athletes. We have a hockey team here. At one point, we had two hockey teams here. Uh, worked with some hockey guys. Um, I've, I've kind of lost track at this point. Just I just like going to work. I yeah. like... You know, I don't want to be in charge. I just happen to be in charge. I like going in, doing my work and and that's where I thrive. And I'm celebrating 12 years, 12 years. The gym uh, has been open and cranking and then it's been my full-time gig. uh, Nine years this December is when when I left and made the time to go do it full-time. And it's had some highs, it's had some lows, Mm -hmm. but it's really without opening that gym, I don't think I ever would have had the opportunities to do that and continue even to this day, even though I left the fire service to still be able to work with, uh, I'm really good friends with a union advocate mm-hmm. who has connected me with a lot of guys, um, in the fire service, which then led to connecting to unions and, uh, departments mm-hmm. to work on their health and wellness. So, um, I got a lot going on yeah. and I'm thrilled about it. it. It still keeps me involved in the fire service in, in a way that I love. Right. Um, but I still get the thrill of, of coaching some athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wrapping up my high school athletes now, which is awesome. And, but it also keeps me connected to people like you and, and Monica. So I, I really feel like I'm in a good place and I have like, you know, I can just do a little bit of, of whatever yeah. I want. That's, that's great. That's so awesome. The, the line that you mentioned there, I think is just so powerful of like, I'd rather jump into this and fail, you know, and yeah. when I'm early on and I can still recover versus, not, you know, not trying and then just wondering behind. I mean, it's something that we see all the time is like, you know, the, you know, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, you know, type stuff. It's like, yeah, Yeah. we totally understand that, but still it takes, it, you know, takes that jump. It takes that leap. It's not an easy thing, you know, to do from there. So it was, it was definitely scary. There were definitely some sleepless nights, Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm the type of guy that I'm very driven. The only person I think who has got a higher work ethic than me is my mom. You know, yeah. my mom puts me to shame. She's, you know, she's in her seventies. and There's genetics there. Thing. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom set that example early on and, and to, 
to have that work ethic pays off. Um, there's definitely times where that's been a detriment because sometimes you got to know when to pump the brakes. And, yeah. and, you know, we talked uh, for a hot second the other day, we were on the phone about, you know, making mistakes. That was definitely one of them. You got to pump the brakes sometimes. You got to know, you know, when, when to, to work hard and when to like, let's see if these plants are going to grow or not. And, and if you need to plant more, foster these relationships or just whatever the deal is. You know, it's interesting. I love talking to people like you, DJ, because the yeah. the hard work and the and the effort and the drive just pours out of you. You can see. I mean, we were talking about the books that you have behind yeah. you being a being yeah. a uh, you know a vicious reader in there, and I I equate in the same way. But when you when you're always in that position, I think, and you you know what you want to do, and you put that hard work in, all these opportunities they seem to just luckily just arrive for you. Like, you know, it's like, you think like, oh, it's a chance encounter that I met Dan John and I got to meet professional football players in there. It's like, yeah, but if you put yourself in that mindset, I'm going to work at it every day. And it's always interesting. There's um, like of those questions of like, oh, what are the three lessons or the five keys? Like I always hated those because in 12 years of owning a gym, you probably learned a million and a half lessons every single day and different encounters, different handshakes with people that lead you down the line. So it kind of all gets muddled up, but it turns into like this amazing amount of knowledge and people that you can work with till still people who was the first person that you worked with 20 years ago when you didn't know anything is still coming back. So her, her, her name is Erica. And I'm hoping, because I will post this, one of my very few social media posts, <laughs> I'll post that I'm on here and we'll see if she, if she listens. So I'll, I'll put, I'll put something out there to see if she'll, she'll hear it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, you know, thing, cause it's always knowledge is power. I understand this potential mm-hmm. power and it's great to learn all these things, but I've talked to early coaches on who are just getting into their careers and I've said the same thing. It's like, if you show somebody that you care 100% about them. They're not thinking about every credential that you have and how many books that you read. It's like, they don't really probably give a shit. It's, and uh, I think we, especially coaches like continuing education is great, but knowing, as you said, when to pump the brakes on that and just focus on the people that you're working with. Sometimes that's the education that you need at the moment. I think that was one of the things with, if you talk to guys who have been in the fire service for a long time, there's a a certain culture and, and everybody knows about it. Um, and it's, it's very stressful at times. And there are certain ways that you talk to each other and there are certain ways that you don't talk to each other. Mm. That didn't necessarily translate into working privately because, you know, I'm used to talking to guys that like, if I cuss them out, they got to show up to work the next day. You don't have a choice. I'll see you in two days, homie. Like you got to get here. Um, if I lose my patience with the client, they're not coming back and I'm out the mm. money and I got to start to whatever. So right. learning communication and different communication styles was something that I had to learn and adopt early. And I still learn today. I still do it today that there were things that I had to change or how I talked to somebody. And I think that really did help in fostering those relationships as well as those opportunities. Mm. Because had I sounded like that firefighter that got off the truck some days of talking to Dan John or, you know, some of those coaches, they weren't going to talk to me. You know, I could have been the hardest worker, smartest person, but just as soon as I opened my mouth, no, they weren't going to do it. So the communication was, was key. And I think that's something we overlook tremendously in this industry. That's interesting. Cause I mean, there's the term, the art of communication. I mean, if you say that it's an art form, it's like, it's something that you need to learn and you practice just like anything. Yeah. And I never, I didn't put that two and two together. Really. It's interesting. If you're working 
with another with another fireman. Yeah, whatever you say to each other, you're going to probably see them in a couple of days and you'll sort it out. It's kind of like being a brother, you know, with somebody. Yeah. It's like you're still going to be brothers with clients yeah. and working with private business. It's not like that. They don't know you no, shit. No. Like they, no, they don't. You, yeah, you better you better know how to get your point across, but in a way that is, you know, going to empower them, not just, you know, bring them down. Agreed. I think it's such a tricky thing. And and there's a lot of like, I think communication is one of the buzzwords and like buzz topics in this industry. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I think, I don't think we're thinking outside the box with that. I want to see when I went back to school, uh, I got my undergrad and then I went and I got my master's in my master's program, we had a lot to do with sports psychology. Mm. And it really got me thinking of how do we effectively communicate to, you know, our athletes or our clients, what we want to do for them and what we can do for them. Right. Because when, when, when somebody comes in the door, they have, I don't want to say a goal because communication, I don't use the word goal. They have a goal of what they want to do. And meanwhile, I have a measure of how I'm going to get them there and what I want to do with them. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, projecting, but I want to do these things to get you here. So how do we measure that success? And that's what I, so goals. So Mm -hmm. I stopped saying, what's your goal? Mike, how do you measure success? What's success look like for Mm. you? Yeah. And you're going to, it's going to change. It's going to change big time. You're going to go from, you know, Susie Homemaker, well, I got this reunion. I want to drop 10 pounds, right? Like we get it. There's an aesthetic feel to, I think success is going to be learning to eat right and exercising and improving the quality of health. How do I do that? I want to move better. I got kids. I got whatever. Right. So it's no longer a goal. It's, it's success and it's long-term. So now we can establish what that looks for them and how we can make it happen. Anybody can be a fat loss coach, really. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. anybody can. But can we guarantee success? No, if we don't know what it is. And guarantee is probably not right. the best word to use there, but we have a better shot at success if we know what it looks like versus just the goal. Right. You know, it's Oh, it's, I, I absolutely love that. I love that changeover, as you said, of measures success because that gets much more into the subjective and the emotional side of it. And that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Like, it seems yeah. like the, the term goal, you know, yeah. it's just like people in, in health and fitness. A lot of people, if they're not accustomed to it or they don't know it and they think that they lack knowledge, they think that it's so objective where it's like, what's your goal? They need to put something down objective. I need to lose, mm-hmm. I want to lose 10 pounds. And so, but that's just a number. That's just something <clears throat> that they think maybe yeah. they want to do, but there's nothing tying that in there where, the approach that you have with that, it seems like it's much more of a conversation right off the bat. That's what it is. Because then like you instantaneously, you establish a rapport with any of your clients. Mm. It's, it's going to be, you know, this, like I said, the Susie homemakers to any of the athletes, because that athlete's success looks a lot different than yours and mine. Even mm. though you and I want to think we're athletes, like nobody's paying us to be an athlete full time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that looks different than everybody else's. So it does create that dialogue, which is important. And we go back communication. So what do you do with that information? And then I think when you ask somebody what their goals are, I think it's too arbitrary, right? It's just mm. this thing that like hangs in the room, right? Like, what do you, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't. So once this is it, you just, that's it. Right. What do we do? Oh, well, that's just part of the success story. Okay. Let's get mm. rid of the goal. Let's make it a part of the whole successful process. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. I've, I've thought a lot about that for a while because the term goal I've went back and forth with, is this the good, is this the good word? Is this a bad word? These just been some interesting journal entries, you know, for, yeah, for I, a while. I'm seeing, I'm seeing you're right. I'm like, is that good? Am I getting redlined right now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a note taker. It's just how it no, goes. I but, appreciate that. But it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like if I asked you like, what's your goal? Like you could think right now, like what maybe your goal is at the moment, but once mm-hmm. you start building into and getting to that goal, other things that you want to do might start opening up more afterwards. It's like, so a yeah. lot of times we just, we single out like, Oh, what's your goal? And like, okay, then we just immediately start going into working on that. Actually never going a step below and being under the surface of first, why is that the goal? But then what's really the ultimate goal behind it? Mm-hmm. What's the feeling that you want to accomplish? And if exactly. we don't get there, then no matter how great of a coach you are on the floor, you're always going to be at the surface level. And it's going to be a, it's going to be just very challenging to get below that if you don't hit that right off the bat. But how many times has somebody walked in and they said, this is my goal. And then you start training, you start working towards yeah. that and the goals change and they shift and they should, but why should the goal shift? Why aren't we looking at the same little meme that goes around on yeah. social media? Like this is what success looks like, right? Like, mm-hmm. If we take it from this to like a path, it's different. We're just, we're not looking at things the optimal way sometimes. We're too narrow-minded and changing goal from success is, is, is a really, I got a ton of these that I've done yeah. um, that changes the, the conversation that you're having with, with people. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the conversations I had uh, was with Dr. Lisa Lewis. Um, I don't know if you know her, but she's amazing. Uh, her and Tony Gentlecore, mm-hmm. uh, they're married, and her program is Psych Skills for Fit Pros. And the thing that she told me was, like, out of the five people that sign up for even a program, even hiring a personal trainer, four of them are not mentally actually ready and committed to going after their goals. But many times they're just so desperate to make a change for anything that they will invest some money they'll do because that's just saying, okay, I'm doing something towards it, but they're still not fully ready to do it because they haven't fully processed it. And that's not a fault. I think of anybody's their own. It's just, we've, we've made goal setting such this short term. Okay. What's your goal? And then just immediately go after it when that should really be like the main focus for a while of really establishing that. Yeah. And I noticed you know, when I did that, it was a part of the puzzle that I was looking at is, is, so it all, it was an overarching picture of why don't I post on social media? Why don't I do anything out there? It wasn't getting me the conversations with people that I wanted. So I looked internally at my client base and said, what are the deeper conversations that I can have? And I had nothing to lose by changing how I spoke to these people, right? Like I wasn't like speaking to them negatively, obviously, but changing that I had nothing to lose and I had everything to gain. And it was, and it was putting that internally instead of focusing on those outside forces changed everything. And I did Mm -hmm. that. The big change of like really shifting it, uh, it was probably just after COVID. So okay. I've been thinking about it. COVID happened. I had those 10 weeks off. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to come back. I'm going to dial this in. I'm going to do this and opened up and people weren't showing up yet. And I was getting nervous. Mm-hmm. Well, they started to, I started to have these, these conversations and it's been, it's been awesome. And it, yeah. those conversations, I think people tell other people, they tell their friends, like, Hey, I'm having this deep conversation. And then they right. pull it in. Yeah. 
When you started making this changeover and the differentiation with, you know, kind of goal for success and getting deeper, did you, did you see the change immediately when you started talking to people or is it a little bit more gradual as it went along? I think it was more gradual. Yeah. Um, one of the things about me is, I, I, it's kind of funny. I think about it. I think my clients, my friends will watch this or they'll hear me and they'll be like, man, that's not how you are at the gym. Right. That, that's not you go to work and you put on this WWE persona. Yeah. And like you're vibrant and you like chug this coffee and you got to be like, boy, like one o'clock comes around. You got to take a nap real quick <laughs> or now drive home with no radio on. Um, it, I don't think I was really taken seriously at first because I had to dial down that persona and ask hard questions. And it was, it was a weird time because coming out of COVID people were really divisive about the situation. They were divisive politically. It was, it was just it yes. was weird. So I'm like, okay, I guess I need to kind of chill a little and just sneak it in. But pretty soon I saw other people having the conversations without me. So I would walk in and I would mm. hear the conversations and then that led to deeper conversations and that led to deeper conversations. So now you come in and yeah, we're getting after it, but we're having really good conversations. And I think that's a part of success where maybe you're not getting that in other areas of your life. You're not getting stimulated mentally because mm -hmm. you work, you know, in a basement all day, right on Zoom. Right. And you got three kids and you have other responsibilities. So yeah, we're hitting the physical part of success, but let's, what's this mental, mental yeah. piece that we need, we need to work on a little bit too. Not everybody can read all the time, you know, right. but maybe we can spark a conversation. Well, and I think the conversations you learn so much from those, especially with people, it's, I mean, just that one, with that one layer deeper of knowing somebody, um, you know, my uh, mentor and coach and good friend, Brian Grasso always says this, it's like, if I don't know your pain, I don't know you, yeah. you know, it's like you, if you know somebody of what makes them tick and they can be vulnerable with you. And it's hard because I mean, as coach, it's fun to be the WWE come in and, you know, pound the drink and fly into the ring. Yeah. That's, that's the fun part of coaching. There's an energy to that. And that fuels us at the same time, but there is that place to go deeper into that conversation. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know if this is for you, but it is for me. Like those conversations are exhausting. Like I'm tired by the end of the day, They are some of they the, are. And it's, but it's, but they're so worth it. And they're so powerful when you get into it and you make so much progress. Yeah. And I think, so we've looked at that W persona and coaches read coaching books and, and they read and they're like, your clients don't care about you. And, and you're just there and you got to be interested and not interesting and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 man. Yeah. You got to make sure like that's some heavy stuff these guys are talking about. Like, you know, younger kids, some of the stuff they talk about, like, I don't know how they handle it. And now I'm taking yeah. it. Out. So you have to make sure you're taken care of as well. Right. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to jump on the, like the mental health train because it, it, that's getting a lot of traction now as well. Yeah. But the mental health side of things is something that needs to be explored when we look at success. So just changing the conversation revealed this whole other way and whole other path of things that needed to be explored. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you can only come into the gym and swing kettlebells and drop bars so much, right? Yeah. Like you need to just, sometimes you need to vent. Yes. And you're going to see me three, four, whatever hours a week. And I'm the guy. And that's, that's hard to take on. So now you got to make sure as much as you're getting, you got to get. So it's, it's, it has to be that two way street. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could I couldn't imagine being a teenager and a high school athlete now with everything that they go through now. And I'm sure you see it firsthand with these kids. And I thought I could still relate. I'm 38. I thought I could still relate to being younger because sometimes good. I feel good, young, man. You know? exactly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. But uh like going through and my sister's a teacher, I've talked to her about it and stuff. It's like, wow, I cannot relate with that generation anymore about what they're going through and how they've you know, gone in and know everybody talks about the social media aspect and stuff. And I get it. I understand. But like growing up in, in that time now where success is almost something where they think it's just continual progress. You need to always be pushing it every day, another step further. And as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, like sometimes you just need to stop and slow down. You're not backpedaling. If you do that, you're just stopping and actually just look around for a minute. I just got uh, one of my first athletes who was talking about, he's getting ready to go to college next year. He's doing a senior year now. He's already talking about NIL deals. And I'm like, bro, you haven't even like taken a like, college. Like you have you don't know where you're going and like all he sees. So now we got like, I was kind of shocked by it. I knew it was out there. It was the first time that it came in front of me. So I've got this kid talking about it. And then is he going to go somewhere for a year? And then he's got access to the transfer portal and he's got access to these deals that, it's, it's, I think it's going to be, it'll be interesting in the next couple of years. I don't know if it'll be good or, or bad. I, um, I have my suspicions, but I certainly don't want to like put it out there, Right. but it's going to be interesting because you're, you're going to see a lot of change in that industry and it obviously will affect uh, the team sector, but I'm curious to see how it's going to affect the private sector uh, with what these kids are deciding to do. Uh, and taking on that stress of, you know, now I got to make this money for this brand. Right. Yeah. You know, or like, I got to promote this brand so I can make my money. Sorry. And, oh, but I also got to play for this team, but like this team's not winning and I can go to this team after this year. I mean, I get more money, but like, bro, like you're like, I mean, you know, as well as I do, some kids are really good in high school. Some kids were okay in college and very few made it professionally. And I, I it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be stressful. So we'll, oh yeah. I'll, I'll take that on. I didn't realize the difference of it until I worked with youth hockey a while ago. And, you know, I was, when I was a kid, I'm sure you can relate. Like we played a season, like it was when it was baseball season, we played baseball, you know, you played for a team, you played for your town. Maybe there was a travel team that you got on, which was like the all-star type group. Then I got into youth hockey and realized all of it is private work. Like nobody's playing for the school. They're playing for, they're playing for the dynamos. Like they're playing for these specific teams where they're paying and they're traveling all over. And then I'm listening to the conversations of the parents of, well, I think this is going to be better for their kids, personal brand and their personal journey to go on this team. And they're traveling, you know, an hour and change to practice every single day, because this team is going to give them a little bit more, you know, traction down the line. The kid's like 11 years old. (laughs) And I'm like, what, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this is crazy. But I was also like, they were, they were hiring personal trainers. They were hiring coaches at 11 to 14 years old because, because, you know, Johnny next door was doing the same thing and they didn't want him to get the leg up. It was, I'm like, this is so crazy now for kids, especially in the athletics world of the specialty. Type. So I don't know if it's good or bad. I think there's probably a little combination of both in there. I mean, gr- great for great for biz. Yeah, really. Mental health, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which way? You know, how are we measuring this here? But um, yeah, it's it's that, that's that's probably more true than I think it is. Is great for biz. We're going to be real busy, but I don't know. I'm not going to relate to these kids one bit. You know, like yeah, yeah, you know, not one bit. I had to play for a losing team. Right? I couldn't quit. 
You know, like if oh, we yeah. stunk that year, next year we stunk again. And exactly. Up oh yeah, and unless yeah, yeah, unless some kid randomly moved into the neighborhood that was just an absolute all star. Like yeah. your team was yeah. not going to be that great the next year unless you're yeah. just building in. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. So with your, I mean, with your athletes, I mean, have you, I mean, you work a lot with high school, with college, with professional and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is there a demographic that you feel like it just fits better? Like for you, like, do you like working with one group a little bit better than the other? I, uh, yeah. uh, I think that, I think it depends on how you feel in the day. Yeah. Um, athletes are cool. Um, professional athletes have their own, um, issues when it comes to training them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some obstacles to overcome. College kids, traditionally, it's like 50-50. They'll be hard workers, but they don't always have like the best money. And it gets, it gets tricky for that. High school kids are hilarious. You know, like they are. But I got to be honest, man. I got a lot of middle-aged moms yeah. of multiple kids. It's cool. Like the stress is low. Um, they talk about what they got going on. They bake me cookies. You know, mm -hmm. like it's not a bad life. Yeah. So, I think it just depends on which way the wind blows at that time. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a super competitive guy. That, that's really why I got into this in the first place. Yeah. Um, and why I still do it. And I'll probably do it till I die, to be honest with you. Like I just, I love mm -hmm. it. I love it so much. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, yeah. I think that's maybe that is what I like about my position and where I am in my career is that I can do, you know, if I feel like doing more of one thing or the other, I can go back and forth and, and put my eggs in those baskets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting because a lot of times people will tell you like, oh, like, you know, find what you're good in and kind of niche into that area and stuff. It's like for a while, I was like, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. I was always much more like you. I like working with a lot of different people who yeah. have different things that make them tick. There's different energies that you can have. And I think it keeps you sharp in so many ways, you know, so I agree. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I mean, working with moms and weekend warriors, people who are really trying to just become better in their lives and have energy mm -hmm. so they can do everything that they can do. Then it's fun to go into the athletic based realm as well. But it's like, I've, I learned probably more in my career working with like seniors, like 70 and 80 year old people who are trying to work on mobility and stay in their homes than I did yep. working with the young athletes who wanted to get a, you know, get a scholarship and go play, you know, professional, professional sports. I, no, I agree. I, I think you can take things from a certain population and be like, ah, maybe this will be cool over here in, in this setting, in this context. Um, so it's not uncommon to see some of my people doing some of the same stuff sometimes, but mm -hmm. for different reasons. Right. Um, and it, it does, it does keep your skills sharp for sure yeah. to be able to, to utilize those, that big toolbox of knowledge that isn't hopefully not just for show. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I fell victim to that obviously, because that was uh, a big thing coming up, but you got to be niche and, and you yeah. got to be like the subject matter expert. And that's all you do. And yeah. I, had I had any foresight into business, I probably would have changed the name or not gone with Queen City Kettlebell because that's a fraction of what I do. Yeah. But here I am all these years later, mm -hmm. I got to, I got to figure this out as I go. So, yeah, no, I totally get it. Well, and I think if you're, if you're good, then you're always going to have the following, you know, people are going to find you. If you're good yeah. and you love what you do from there. Let me ask you though, DJ, this is just interesting because you mentioned your love of art and especially in sculpture. Do you think that that side of your personality and your love of that, do you think that that has carried over into your creative side at all into like your training and what you do in strength? Um, I, I don't, 
I can't see a direct correlation. Mm-hmm. It makes me good at Jeopardy sometimes okay. <laughs> when, uh, when it comes up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and some trivial things that'll pop up occasionally in the gym. Uh, no, I think I'm more creative because the copious amounts of caffeine I consume in the morning, okay. to be honest with you, my mind's going a million miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I had, I studied a lot of people who were innovators and just got outside the box thinking and yeah. that were like, just, it, it's funny because you look at some of these people who were influential in the field, but were kind of like disregarded because they were so outside the box. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, yeah. like, yeah. um, there was a guy, um, Matt Kearse, he was a, a strength coach for uh, the Yankees and the Reds. And he was one of the first guys who did hill sprints with his baseball players. Mm-hmm. So when I got, uh, we eventually grew to a bigger facility at the gym. It had this parking like pad on the side and it had this hill, like this ridiculously steep incline that we probably should have been running up. <laughs> but I was like, he's doing it. And I kind of like what he's saying. So now I got this baseball players, you know, trucking full speed up this, yeah. this, this parking pad hill. And I'm like, yeah, but like nobody was doing it. And I was like, yeah. okay, what? But then you got to go back and be like, okay, why am I doing it? What am I trying to accomplish? So it was like, I think I was more influenced by seeing other people think outside the box that then enabled me to take that or be like, what if we change that and then make those changes? Yeah. You know, um, Dan John was a great example of that. Yeah. He showed me something. I was like, oh man, what do you think about this? And then if you've ever worked with Dan, nothing goes as planned. Right. Never. It, it never gets <laughs> so now, so now he's like teaching this thing, but now it's just, everybody has now come over here and we're like, you know, kind of goofing around with this Dow rod. So it's, it's like, we're kids with like marveling over a Dow rod on mm-hmm. how to do stuff, but it was stuff like that that became innovative. I think to answer your question, I think the arts just, just something I, it's, it's my thing. Yeah. I think it's a fun thing. I think I enjoy right. it. Brings me, you know, peace, calm and tranquility. Yeah. But, uh, I think that, yeah. Well, it's, it, it, well, it's interesting because I've seen that creative side in some different people. I've seen it in myself. Like Mike Souza is one of my favorite people to talk to mm-hmm. in yeah. Modesto. And he is like, he loves gardening so much. And that's a form of art of like pruning yeah. and like if you look planting at that dude, things down. Yeah. Like he's not planting anything, man. Oh, absolutely. Cool, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden he's got this like kind of this, you know, divine feminine energy that he's going in of creating something in there. And I didn't realize that until I started getting into writing and poetry and really getting into it's like, so it's always interesting sometimes these creative outlets in the art world. I think sometimes can lead to innovation in the other areas. Like Dan is one of those, Dan's a very interesting person to talk to because he is so creative. He's written a million and a half books. He reads like crazy copious amounts of articles and books and stuff. And it is when you start working with him, like nothing goes as planned because he has nine different ideas in his head. And then he's just trying to pick from one versus another. Yeah. I got his, uh, right before we sat down, I saw the email for his wondering weights, like issue whatever 500 whatever he's been doing yeah. and i'm like oh, i'll be reading that later you know um mm-hmm. but there's always yeah uh, another one that, that i like um uh, james clear uh wrote atomic habits he yes. had a newsletter 321 newsletter uh, i've subscribed to that for a while now and you know sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't but some of the days you know he asked that question and you're like oh man i'm gonna ponder on this i'm gonna ponder yeah and then if you take it you take it to work with you and you're in the gym and that question can pop up. It, it, it changes a lot. So I think maybe the influences are atypical. I think mm-hmm. if everything that you do in this industry is everything you do in this industry, you're missing a lot. 
because yes. there's so many outside ways to be influenced. And my, you know, my professional career probably wouldn't have changed had I not had the outside influence of asking a deeper question, having that communication yeah. and what we're looking at, because it, it did, it changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, nobody was writing a book on that, you know, like, right. like, I, you know, so, um, you got to take influence can strike anywhere. Well, that's an art thing. Influence yeah. can strike anywhere, you know? So, um, yeah, so you gotta look outside the, the profession a lot of times. Oh, it's awesome. So, um, DJ, dude, been a blast talking with you, man. I can't well, believe I an hour has just flown by in like two seconds here. Um, I, I, yeah, I appreciate it, man. So no, I normally I normally say no to these things. So uh, I appreciate you. Oh, uh, go well. I'm honored. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's yeah. great. I, I remember. I've just I've I love seeing the work that you do, and I love the energy that you're putting in. You know, to coaching and so and you know just being, I think just a true example of, you know, what a strength coach should be is always looking for better ways, new opportunities to do things of changing things up and kind of just doing the things that you love to do. And it really just shows in everything that you're doing. So I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate that, man. Super, uh, very complimentary. I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, sometimes I don't take compliments too well. That's tough to hear. (laughs) I appreciate that. I know it's very genuine. So I appreciate those kind of words, my man. Oh, no doubt, man. I really enjoyed this. And uh, I know you don't do a lot of them, but I'd love to have you back because I feel like we're just getting started. So, so the other day we were talking, so I'm going to put it out there because you're still recording, yeah. is I want to, uh, uh, Mark Degrassi, I think is how you say his name. He's the one that started My Mad Methods. Mm. We're connected on social media. I want to I interview this guy. I want to be like, I don't think he understands how many people were reading his magazine. Because it's so cool when you talk to people and they bring it up and they're like, oh man, you had my mad methods. And it's like, everybody's gathered around and everyone wants to know, I think somewhere back here, like 20 magazines that he had. And okay. I would love to talk about it because I still go back to those, you know, in my little basement gym yeah. when I don't know what to do. I'll rip, you know, rip open a, a, a magazine and be like, what do I want to do? And here's something somebody was doing and I'll crank oh, it no out way. for 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's super, super valuable to hold on to, to, to stuff like that. And, uh, I would love to, to talk to that guy. So if you can get him on the podcast, okay. I'll come back. If, oh. if not, if not, it's gonna be like another five I'll, years before I oh, do Oh, challenge, challenge accepted. Yeah, make it yeah. happen. This will be yeah, great. Yeah. So, um, cool. DJ dude, awesome seeing you, man. Thanks so much for the time, dude. I appreciate you, Mike. Have a good awesome. one. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.